just over two and a half years ago, Sharon and me were at the privilege of, uh, with the national leadership team of Assemblies of God, of going to a trip to Israel. We'd never been to Israel before. And it was just a wonderful trip. And on a glorious sun-kissed Saturday morning, we went to the garden tomb. The guide pointed out to us where uh, it was thought that Jesus had been crucified, Golgotha, the place of the skull. And if you look at it, it looks exactly like that. And then we wended our way through beautiful, serene place of worship. And we went to the empty tomb. We understand that it could be debate about whether it was exactly there, but many people think that that was the appropriate place. So small, so insignificant, and thank God, so empty. He wasn't there. He's risen. We worshiped the Lord. We broke bread together. We we sang in tongues. We magnified God. It's one of those days that you'd never, ever forget in in all of your life. It just hit me again that the truth of the resurrection was so real. I was speaking to Mr. Chris just before the meeting and says, you know, friends, I was just thinking about it yesterday. You know, if we didn't live in the glorious reality of this, life becomes so narrow. If it's just about me, is that what life's about? Is it just about what I do, what I want, what I think? All of this, friends, lifts us to a new perspective. It lifts us to a new plane. It lifts us to a place that we're not just living for ourselves, but we're living in the glorious reality of what God has done. And in the moments that we've got, I want to take you to 1 Corinthians 15, which seems an appropriate chapter this morning, because it's known by many Bible commentators as the resurrection chapter. I'm going to read a verse to you, and then I'm going to bring some points out of it. So if you're accessing your Bible through paper or electronically, you may just want to stay there, because it'll help you perhaps just to follow. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 20 says this, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. Over the last few weeks, as we've processed out of winter into spring, we've been running a series in Arena Church, Ilkeston, called There's Only One. We started off by saying there's only one God and only one Jesus. We took time over two weeks to remind ourselves there's only one Holy Spirit. And we thank God that in this time that we've had since Christmas, numbers of people have come into the fullness and baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is great. And he took us on the truth of there's only one church. We were reminded that there's only one name. It's a name that's above every name. Last Sunday, we thought of the truth in that dedication service of Reuben, that there's only one Savior. And Christian reminded us, Good Friday graphically, that there is only one sacrifice. Jesus gave everything. And it leads us to this morning, celebrated by millions of Christians around the world. And uh, people this morning being baptized in water by full immersion all around the world. People celebrating in church community like us. People in the persecuted church this morning looking again to the hope that comes from resurrection life. People of various traditions would have greeted each other this morning by saying, the Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. And Matthew 28 verse 6 says, he is not here. He is risen. And over the next moments, I want us to be reminded that it's not, the resurrection is not only about the past, but it's about the future. It's not only regarding our Lord, but it actually touches us. And it's not just something of history but it actually determines our destiny. It's a huge subject. I nearly brought some books up from the office 
But I've got one there by Derek Timball. It's that thick, just on Good Friday. And I've got that one, that thick, by Paul Beasley Murray, just on Easter Sunday. And so we could go on and we could have 20 of each. It's an incredible subject. And this morning, I want just to take us a little to that truth again of resurrection. Firstly, I want you to notice the essentiality of the resurrection. Make no mistake, as powerful and sacrificial as the cross was, without the resurrection, it would have been in vain and pointless. The late John Stott, a wonderful evangelical Christian leader, says Christianity in its very essence is a resurrection religion. The truth of resurrection lies at its heart. If you remove it, Christianity is destroyed. Ralph Linquist says the resurrection to our faith is what water is to the ocean, what stone is to mountain, what blood is to the body. If you rip it from us, friends, we don't have a faith. And the Apostle Paul addressed this in Corinthians because there were people emerging in that early church, a significant World Trade Center, Corinth, a city that people would look to. There were people emerging in that city that were doubting the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. You can read it in verse 12. And so Paul, in his own inimitable way, as led of God, begins to lay down the argument. And he says to the Corinthian church, listen, if Christ isn't risen from the dead, verses 12 to 19, then your faith is useless. You are false witnesses. You are still in your sins. You have no eternal hope. And if you are just living for this life, you're to be pitied. Or as the old translation says, you are of all men most miserable. Verse 20. In other words, friends, the stakes couldn't be higher. Everything rises or falls, not only on Jesus' death, but also on his resurrection. And the apostle Paul builds the negatives like a great pack of cards. And they come tumbling down with the word B-U-T. But Christ is risen from the dead and become the first fruits of those that slept. As Nicky Gumbel said this morning, the resurrection is rooted in history, grounded in scripture and confirmed in experience. Our savior is alive. We understand, friends, that many people, skeptics, opponents, liberal thinkers have tried to deny that, but nobody's ever produced a body. That would help, wouldn't it? That would be a great start. Nobody's ever produced a body. It was an empty tomb. The Bible says that Jesus revealed himself by infallible proofs. We'll look at that tonight. So if you're thinking of coming to Mansfield, it's a different message. And then, still on the resurrection. There's been millions of ongoing conversions. And the church of Jesus Christ, friends, is still growing today. Our understanding of the growth of the church is often determined by our geographical experience. We look at the UK, and sometimes we think there's decline. We look at the spiritual wasteland called Europe. And I'm in a forum on Europe next week, and I no doubt that I'll be, I'll be wrecked again by the statistical evidence that seems to show that the church is shrinking. But friends, across the earth, in the Americas and Asia, in uh, in Africa, the church is growing at a phenomenal rate. People responding today to the truth of the risen Lord. The essentiality of resurrection, it stands or falls 
on whether Jesus rose from the dead. And this morning in this Christian church here in Arena Ilkeston in 2014, we affirm again as Christian believers by faith that we believe that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead and he's alive forevermore. That's our reason for being. That's our reason for gathering this morning. That's our reason for worshiping the Lord. We are not just singing songs. We are praising him who is amongst us in the power of his spirit. And it makes life work. Then what about the productivity of the resurrection? Because in this particular chapter, the writer uses some agricultural terms to try and explain how the resurrection is going to work. You see, we've been talking about there's only one. But I want you to understand this morning, there's two. There's two resurrections. But Christ has risen from the dead and he's become the first fruits of those that have fallen asleep. It's a euphemism in the Bible for those that have died. And the Bible teaches, friends, that what Jesus Christ has done for us through resurrection has laid a seed that sets the future course for those of us that are in Christ. I understand that people would take various uh, um, expressions of how that series of events is going to work out, and I'm certainly not going there this morning. We'd be here for a long time. But the reality is that triggered by the coming of the Lord, the second coming of the Lord, Philippians says that our body will be like his glorious body. And he goes on to say, friends, that in, in Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 42, he says these words, so will it be the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable will be raised imperishable. That which is sown in dishonor will be raised in glory. That what has been sown in weakness will be raised in power. That's what's been sown a natural body will be raised a spiritual body. When Jesus rose from the dead, he laid a seed that set the course for the future of the earth. That one day, and we're not called to second guess when that day will be, but one day at the end of the age of grace, when Christ comes again, there's not only one resurrection, there's two. And it includes you and me. Our body will be imperishable, glorious, powerful, and spiritual. Someone wrote this. Jesus' resurrection body was different yet recognizable. He had a dynamic quality and potential previously unavailable. And so were we. God is not going to throw away or jettison the old. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed. To each kind of seed, God gives its own body. It could not be clearer. At resurrection, God will use the seed of our earthly body as the basis of our heavenly body. You will be unmistakably new, but unmistakably you. We absorb all that by faith. People here this morning in pain and pressing through to believe God as Christian Let us in prayer this morning, one day, a glorious body, fit for the eternal kingdom. I know there's many questions that arise out of that, that again, we don't have time to deal with this morning. Remember, we're not talking about reconstruction, we're talking about resurrection. C.S. Lewis, talking about Jesus being the first fruits, says it's a description of Jesus as the first fruits, 
as the pioneer of life. He goes before us. And one day, friends, God's going to bring together all the eternal purposes of the Lord, both in earth and heaven, and give us a body that's fit to follow in the footsteps of Jesus that allows us to serve his purposes forever and ever and ever and ever. It's good news for the present, but it's wonderful news for the future. And thirdly, the visibility of the resurrection. Remember, we're called to walk by faith and not by sight. You may say, well, how do I absorb all that? Where do I start? You just simply start by making a step to follow Jesus. And in a moment, Christian's going to invite you just to do that. It's not for intellectuals. It's not for people that have been through a particular process of education. We've got boys and girls and young people that have been able to, by revelation, receive the fact that God loved them, that their name was on his mind when he died upon the cross. And they've been able to absorb that he rose again for them. You can go on a journey, friends, of absorbing these amazing truths. It won't belittle you, it'll enrich you. It won't take you narrow, it'll take you broad. You'll begin to see that the world doesn't revolve around you, it revolves around him. And he's got it all sorted out. So how do we live? Well, if we believe that Christ has risen from the dead, and we do, and if we believe that there's another resurrection to come, and we do, Arena Church, let's live in its reality. This is the problem with the church. They say, Christ is risen. Indistinguishable, and indeed sometimes more miserable than people outside of faith. And that is a contradiction of what the Bible teaches us to do. We ought, friends, to exude resurrection life. We really did. We ought to live in it now because it's begun now. We ought to live out the reality unapologetically and unashamedly of the risen Lord that is over us and in us and through us. How do we do that? Well, we do it by living carefully. Verse 33 of 1 Corinthians 15, bad company corrupts good character. You'll know this church is forever encouraging people to connect with those that are far from Christ. In your social groups, in your sporting clubs, in your night classes, in your places of study, your places of work, your neighborhoods. We're encouraging you to do that all the time. We don't believe in separatism. We don't believe in some spiritual apartheid that says, we're in, you're out. But the reality is, in the light of resurrection life, you may need to walk away from some people because they'll stop you being what God's called you to be. Bad company corrupts good manners, and only you can answer that when the Holy Spirit flags it up in your heart. We also need to live victoriously. Chapter 15, verse 57, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Our type of church sometimes is accused of being triumphalistic. What that means is that we're talking forever about triumph, but not living in the experience of it, or denying that there's problems. And I want you to say that that is not Arena Church. And if you listen to Christian carefully on Friday, you will have heard the absolute opposite. That sometimes we have to go through things, and we can't avoid them. And there are people across Arena Church this morning that are having to go through things, It may may be a health issue. It may be that there's a son or daughter that breaks your heart because of their errant ways. 
It may be that there's job insecurity at work. It may be, friends, all the things that, that life brings to us that sometimes are unavoidable. We can't go around them. We go through them. But this is the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ that through those circumstances, Romans 8, 38, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. And let me tell you that one of the journeys of being a preacher is that God takes us through things so that we don't just speak it out of theory, but we speak it out of experience. And I want to encourage you this morning, friends, to go through. Not to live in denial. We won't. Not to say that it's not happening. Not to deny the reality of the situation that you're going through. But to believe this morning in the power of resurrection life, that Jesus Christ will bring you through and that you will ultimately triumph. That is New Testament Christianity. And we're to live determinedly. So I hear great preachers talking about life verses. If I'd be a bit naughty, I think for some of them it's an excuse to keep preaching the same message. But anyway, we'll keep moving. But here's one of my life verses. The final verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Therefore. 37 years ago, I'm at Bible college and dear John Carter, then in his old years, was teaching us and uh, he says, Brother, if there's a therefore in the Bible, remember what it's there for. Wow, what the... What theology? And it's absolutely true. Every time there's a therefore in the Bible, there's a reason. And the first 57 verses of Corinthians 15, build it and build it and build it and build it. They give us this amazing picture of resurrection. Therefore, in the light of Jesus' resurrection, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Let me give you a couple of translations of that from different perspectives. One writer says, my dear friends, stand your ground. Don't hold back. Throw yourselves into the work of the master. Confident that nothing you do for him is ever a waste of time or effort. Or what about this? Hold your ground immovable. Abound in the work of the Lord at all times. For you may be sure that in the Lord your labor is never thrown away. Oh, I've kicked my shoes off on a Sunday night. He said, that was a complete waste of time. I'm never doing that kids meeting again. Those youth need blowing up. And when it seems that the least is happening, it's often when the most is. When it seems though God's not on your case, he is. When it seems though God's not interested, he's right at your side. Your labor, your time, your effort is never, ever thrown away. Because he lives. Because he lives. I close by referencing a dear couple that have blessed the church of Jesus Christ musically over many years. Over 40 years ago, Bill and Gloria Gaither were school teachers. And uh, they had a musical gift and... Uh, talents that has exploded in recent years in what some of you know as the, uh, the Gaither Band. Don't worry, in Arena Church, we're not going Southern Gospel. It's okay. Um, we understand that's not our genre of music. But it has blessed millions, literally. As they sang some of the old great gospel songs, rich harmonies, great musicality. 
all started with a vision of Bill and Gloria. And all those years ago, mid-60s, one of their children was born into the Gaither household. And uh, they had some personal challenges, and also it was still in that time where the U.S. were trying to extricate themselves from the Vietnamese War. And and, uh, life seemed pretty uncertain. And so they sang a song, and maybe many of you aren't aware that there were verses to Because He Lives, but let me read you one. The second verse of that great song says, How sweet to hold a newborn baby. We rejoiced in a little newborn baby last week. And feel the pride and joy that he gives, but greater still the calm assurance that this child can face uncertain days because he lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. The essentiality of the resurrection, friends, it is absolutely vital. Otherwise, we are wasting our time. Thank God this morning, friends, it's not a waste of time. We're in the presence of the Lord. The productivity of the resurrection. Jesus was the pioneer of life, but now is Christ risen from the dead. And he becomes the first fruits of all of us that fall asleep. One day, a body fit for the kingdom like his glorious body. The visibility of the resurrection. Arena Church, the challenge is that we move from this Easter Sunday, rejoicing in all that God's got for us. And Tuesday, or maybe even Monday, you're back at work. But Tuesday, in the office, in the works canteen, in that busy hospital, teaching those kids, doing the schoolroom, raising a young family, we visibly live out from our inner world's the reality of the risen Jesus. Resurrection is rooted in the past, but it points to the future. And thank God it impacts us in the present. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Our series has highlighted that there's only one. But on this day, we celebrate the truth that there's two resurrections. He's risen, and so shall we be. Amen.